Hello and welcome to the TIC Midweek Podcast. This week we're looking at James chapter 3 verses 13 to 18. And as we jump right in, verse 13 it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. So we remember that the last section was about teachers and the tongue and the power of the tongue. And here James is trying to help us understand, how do you know who's actually wise? Because when you're in a community of people, there are a multitude of ideas, right? And when there's leadership, typically always going to be people who question the leadership, who question the teacher. And it could be a a ministry setting where someone thinks they can do a better job or someone thinks they could do the best job. It could be a connect group setting where someone may feel like, ah, you know, I could be a better leader. Or it could be in regard to the whole church. How do you discern who actually is wise and understanding. How do you discern who to follow? What kind of leader do you want to follow? Well, James tells us, first of all, if someone is wise and understanding, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. And that could also be let her show her works in the meekness of wisdom. And the idea here is that it's not enough to have good ideas. It's not enough to have knowledge. It's not enough to have experience. That experience and that knowledge, in order to be wise, needs to manifest itself in meekness. Uh, And meekness, you know, if we think of the contemporary definition or modern definition, it it can be someone who's docile, who just kind of goes with the flow, is submissive. But in a biblical sense, it refers to those who are willing to put others first. Mark Canner from Regent University or Regent Seminary says um, that it, it refers to those who are willing to share and sacrifice on behalf of others. And the example of this in the Old Testament is Moses, who was always putting the community first. And even when his leadership uh, was questioned, He would turn to the Lord in prayer. He would plead on behalf of the people. Uh, Moses had great wisdom, but his leadership was expressed in serving and sacrificing for others. And so one of the signs of a true leader, one of the signs of someone with wisdom and understanding is that their wisdom is manifested in meekness and putting others first. Scott McKnight puts it this way. He says, a wise teacher is the one who creates godly, loving peace in the community. And so we could think of that in the the sake of leadership. There's a lot of ideas, a lot of opinions, a lot of ways we can think of going. But the person who is creating peace in the community, who's working for peace in the community, is the one who is actually manifesting wisdom. So it's not just putting forth ideas or thoughts or words, but what we want to ask ourselves is, is the way this person speaking about the community, speaking about the church, speaking about the ministry, speaking about the connect group, is the way that they're trying to move things forward, is it creating peace? Is it creating godliness? Is it 
giving people opportunity to come together. James is telling us this is how you know true wisdom. It shows itself in meekness and it it creates peace in the community. Now, that doesn't mean there isn't conflict. Uh, Moses had a lot of conflict. Jesus had a lot of conflict with the Pharisees. So it's, it's not a wisdom that appeases or pleases people, but the heart behind the person is, is meekness. Well, let's look at chapter, verse 14 because it, it tells us what false wisdom is. Verse 14, it says, If you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast about it and be false to the truth. That word, phrase, bitter jealousy, includes the word zeal uh, in the Greek or the word that we get zeal from. And so it, it indicates that there is this passion or ferocity in the people's attitudes, their behaviors, uh, in, in what's being expressed through them. And envy, really, it's, it's about what I can get and wanting to keep you from getting more. I want what you have. I want to take it away from you. I don't want you to have it. And it also, uh, the, the selfish ambition is, you know, it's, it's a word that is used in, in rivalry and wanting to put oneself forward. And, uh, you know, Craig Blomberg says this, the image appears of people in angry competition, undermining one another and each fighting for their own rights. So the idea is here in this church, people want to put themselves forward. They want to be the leader and and they're in competition with others. I want to lead the ministry. I want to teach the class. I want to be the, the connect group leader. I know how to do these things. And there actually, there's a, a ferocity, there's a harshness, there's an anger uh, to the way they're going about this. Uh, and it's, it's not wisdom, but Paul, James says, uh, don't boast against the truth. And, and the idea here is that there are these people in the church, they think they're wise. They think they have understanding, but actually in their heart, there's a bitter jealousy, there's selfish ambition. It has nothing to do with wisdom. It is so far from gospel-centered wisdom. James is telling us, how do we know who's truly wise? And one of the things we want to look at are, are, is, it, are they manifesting humility? Are they manifesting meekness? Or is there a harshness and anger, a ferocity uh, to the way they're treating people? Is there selfish ambition? And we don't want <laughs> to just look at other people, uh, but we also want to look at ourselves and ask those same questions. And you know, as we evaluate, we might say, well, how do humble people present their ideas? How do humble people respond to conflict? How do humble, meek people treat others with different views? How do meek people or humble people work with those who are making mistakes? What do meek people do in difficult situations? Maybe there's someone you can think of that you can share with your connect group who you just look at them and you say, that is a humble man or that is a humble woman. And, and when she was in conflict, she did this. When he uh, was trying to reconcile different views, this is the way that he went about it. 
and it gives us a picture of what godly wisdom looks like. And, and there's probably someone in your life that you can look to. And we also look at Jesus. What did Jesus do? He didn't always roll over and give people their way, uh, but he is the perfect example of meekness, of uh, the leader, that teacher that God wants us to be. Now, in verse 15, James just spells it out clearly. He said, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. So those who claim to have wisdom and understanding, but there's the bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, there's the mistreatment of others, there's harshness and anger. Uh, James is saying, look, this is not from God. Uh, it's, it's from the earth, it's from this realm, or it's not spiritual. It has nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. It's from someone's own heart, their natural self. Uh, it, it's in alignment with the values of the world. And it also may even be demonic. It may be uh, empowered, it may be inspired by evil spirits who really want to kill, steal, and destroy. That's what Jesus tells us Satan comes to do. And Paul tells us in Ephesians, our battle is not against flesh and blood, that there are demons who are tempting us, who are trying to get us to tear down and destroy others with our words. And so if if this type of of thing is coming out of our mouth, if it's coming out of the mouths of others, these are red flags that, okay, hold on, this is not godly wisdom. It may be persuasive, they may have charisma, they may be drawing people to them, but godly wisdom that will lead us to gospel fruit is expressed in meekness. Now, verse 16 shows us the danger of these things. It says, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Craig Blomberg puts it this way, when we fight for power in Christian circles, evil establishes a foothold. When we operate with worldly values, seeking our own honor and status, we even offer Satan an entrance into the house of God. Our actions no longer demonstrate faith, but rather show our commitment to the world and its standards of behavior. Scott McKnight puts it this way, not only do zeal and ambition crack the infrastructures of a community, but they also produce wickedness of every kind. Zeal and ambition break loose moral anchors on the part of the teachers, their followers, and their opponents so that control and dominance become the guiding lights. This is an incredible statement by James where he says, where you find the jealousy and selfish ambition, uh, you will find disorder in every vile practice. When we allow bitterness, a jealousy, this selfishness, this, this drive to be put forward, this, this drive to be right, comparison with others, uh, it opens up the door to every type of sin. And this is so dangerous to the church. And what is dangerous is when it's tolerated, when it's allowed, when, and how do we tolerate it? When we listen 
to it, when we accept it, or when we pass it on, when we speak it out, what it does is it it cuts away, as Scott McKnight says, it's like cutting the anchors to the gospel. And suddenly, instead of following Jesus, we're following the ways of the world, and it just brings destruction into the church community. Now, again, James brings us back in verse 17, and he's going to tell us, okay, what is true wisdom? Because when you're looking for a teacher to follow, when you're looking for a leader to follow, you want to know, is this someone who is walking with Jesus? Is this someone who is walking in godly wisdom? Because if they are walking in worldly wisdom, they'll lead you away from Jesus. And if you are a leader, when and hopefully many of us are leaders and we want to be leaders, we want to be good examples, James is telling us, look, this is the way you live. So verse 17, it says, the wisdom from above is first of all pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. This is quite the list, and we'll walk through a few of these, and I'm going to be relying on Scott McKnight in my explanation. Uh, but number one is is pure, and of course, when we think of purity, we think of Christ. Uh, we think of a pure sacrifice or a sinless person, and so there is a, a purity that isn't mixed with evil. Uh, second, the wisdom is peaceable. Now, this is not just the person is a peaceful person in their heart, but also they create peace in the community. And so as opposed to the teachers who use worldly wisdom or unspiritual wisdom or demonic wisdom that creates chaos and turns people against each other, true leaders with godly wisdom will bring about peace. There will be the fruit of peace in the community of bringing people together, of reconciling relationships. Three, the wisdom is gentle and uh, gentleness in in the modern definition is, is slightly different than the biblical definition. And, and Scott McKnight points out that the sense of the word in the New Testament moves through the these ideas, goodness, courtesy, mildness, benevolence, generosity. And in each has this view of the need to, to give judgment with equity. In the Old Testament, uh, it, it's tied with the act of judgment where there's mercy, moderation, clemency, and leniency. And, and so wisdom looks to show mercy. Wisdom looks to be generous. And uh, the opposite of wisdom is a harshness and anger, a, a judgment. And so verse four, or not verse four, number four, the, the true wisdom that is open to reason. It's it's willing to listen to others. It can be persuaded. A wise teacher, a wise leader knows that there's limits on their ability to understand and their own knowledge. And so they're willing to listen to the ideas, to the thoughts of others. And as they listen, they're open to changing. Verse uh, number five 
is uh, full of mercy. And then six, good fruits. Well, of course, we think of the fruit of the Spirit uh, in Galatians chapter 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. And these fruits are coming out of their life. And again, the way they treat other people, the way they conduct themselves in conflict, does it reflect the fruit of the Spirit? Are they impartial and sincere? Do they show favoritism to certain types of or certain groups of people or economic classes? Well, uh, James would say that godly wisdom is impartial and it is sincere that, that what is spoken is what's in the heart. What is done reflects what's in the heart. It, it's not about saving face or presenting a face uh, publicly and doing something else uh, in private. Or sin- It is uh, representing a full representation of, of what is actually in the heart. And then verse 18, it says, A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And so when you have wise leaders with godly wisdom who are living in peace, it is going to create peace in the community. It's going to bless uh, everyone around them. And so as we evaluate teachers and leaders, we're looking at that question, what impact is it having on the community. Now, when we read James, it's easy to instantly think about other people, right? Maybe I think about my spouse. Maybe I think about uh, the people around me, other people in the church. But what we really want to do is think about ourselves. And we want to look in the mirror of Scripture and see where our hair is a little messed up, where we've got some eye crusties, where we've got some uh, some sauce on our face, and we want to clean ourselves before we go and, and point out the mistakes in others. Jesus says, take care of the log in your own eye before you worry about the speck in someone else's eye. So we don't want to read this chapter and instantly start thinking about other people and evaluating people. We first want to evaluate ourselves because if we don't evaluate ourselves, we do not have the ability to help other people. And it's hard to line, look at Scripture, it's hard to allow this to speak to us and convict us and say, oh man, I'm, you know what? Sometimes I stir up conflict by the things I say, or I can be divisive in my words, and, and what I think is private is actually hurting the community. And I'm, I'm really not as meek or humble as I need to be. These, these are things that we want to be willing to say before the Lord. And where we find that we are falling short, we want to repent and we want to turn. And we want to ask the Holy Spirit, help me to walk in the truth. And, you know, as I walk through this, I, I see areas where I have fallen short in the past, where I'm still falling short, and I see a standard that is higher than my current behavior. And I, you know what? I want, to, I want to live this out. I want to be this type of pastor. I want to be this type of leader. I want to be this type of teacher. And I just want to encourage you in the Connect group to be honest, to be open, to be real about where you are. And the reason we can be open is because of the gospel, 
The gospel means that we're forgiven. The gospel means that we're saved. The gospel means uh, that my acceptance is not based on my behavior. So may God bless you. May God bless your connect group this week.